this little light of mine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Can we help her? This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Yeah, thank you. Well, that was awesome. Thank you, Lyd. That is Lydia Hanley, and she just turned seven this past week. Yes. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the, actually in this church singing that song, right? Did you grow up singing that song? Evidently you did. You did a pretty good job singing it with us this morning. Um, and we're so proud of you, Lydia. Thank you for singing that for us. That song came from the text that we're going to study this morning. And I just thought it was appropriate for her to sing that and get that in our hearts and our minds. We've been in a, a study in the book of Mark for the last several weeks. And uh, recently, just starting last week, we began to talk about this teaching style of Jesus. He loved to teach with stories. He loved to teach, he called them parables. Right? And so the idea and the, and the way the word is even designed is that he would bring something out to your attention that you understood in the case for last week, it was farming and sowing seed and, and the types of ground that the seed needed to fall in to be productive. And then he would lay it next to something of spiritual significance to help you understand the things of the kingdom and the things of God a little bit more based on the things you understand. So it was a really interesting way of teaching. What was cool is if you really wanted to know more, you were really leaning in, you were really listening, then you could learn more. You could go deeper with Jesus and your understanding of him and your discipleship. If you didn't, if you were there to accuse Jesus, if you were a Pharisee, if you were there just to um, see what was going on, what he, you know, how you could uh, uh, make light or, or be accusatory to him, you wouldn't get anything. And it's not much different this morning. If, if you'll lean in this morning, if we'll seek to see what God wants to show us in the parables we're going to study this morning, I think God can take us deeper in him. But if we don't, not only will we not learn anything, we actually lose possibly what we have. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. There's 39 different parables uh, in the uh, synoptic gospels that we see that Jesus tells. Uh, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And he loved to teach in, in these parables and in these stories. Two things we see very clear from last week and this week. Number one, if you're really listening, you can understand. If you really want to go deeper, you will be able to, and God will bless that. He'll, he'll bring you in. He'll, he'll, he'll teach you. As we draw near, he draws near. As we accept his word, we grow. And as we grow, we become uh, fruitful. We produce. We reproduce what's in us. The second thing that's really clear is Jesus is telling these stories to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. Right? What he is like. What, what does it mean? The kingdom of God is this wave of salvation and God's presence and goodness in the world and He's, he's been kind of exemplifying this by healing people. And, and just, I've told this before, but I, it's just amazing, blows my mind to think, 
There was a season in Jesus' ministry when throughout Galilee it would be hard to find a sick person. Can you imagine that? Throughout Galilee there would be a season where it would be hard to find somebody who had some ailment because Jesus was wiping it out. And the kingdom of God was just a force moving through that area. He was casting out demons. right? He was helping people understand who he was as Messiah. He was preaching the gospel. People were repenting of their sin. He, he was at one point reclaiming what Sabbath is and rest because he wanted his people to rest. Not all this burdensome law. He was correcting the, the incorrect teaching of the Pharisees. And he said last week, and he's going to say it again this week, if we'll just listen, not just hear, but if we'll actually listen to what God wants to speak to our hearts, he'll change us. He'll help us to go deeper with him. That's what kingdom people do. Basically what Jesus is saying is, let your life define your faith, not just your words. I want to say that again. God wants us to let our lives define our faith. How we live defines what we believe about God, not just what our words say. It's a big difference. People can say anything, but our lives determine our faith, how we prove that we are his. Are you good soil? We talked about that last week, these different uh, soil types. And that's basically the context where we're coming from this morning. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 4, turn over there with me or we'll have it on the screen. We're going to look at three parables this morning. And the first one's about a lamp. Verse 21 says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed or a bushel? That's reference to the song. I'm not sure what that is. But uh, it's like a basket, I think. And not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. We're going to look at two other parables, but I want us just to stop and pause and ask that the Spirit would help teach us and lead us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you this morning. We thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that you want to teach us and you want us to understand and you want us to reproduce and be fruitful and you want us to take this kingdom mentality in life and show it to the whole world and live in such a way, God, that they see your goodness and they see your grace and they want to be changed as a result. God, I pray that you would bless us today as your people. Help us to learn of your word. Help us to lean in to you, Lord, to listen carefully, not just to hear, but to listen with our hearts, to pay attention, and let our lives be obedient and receptive, accepting your word and following it. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us today. God, I pray with all my heart that that I would stay out of your way. Lord Jesus, that you would teach us all truth, as your word says, that you would lead us to all truth that you would increase and I would decrease. And I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the first story, it's about a lamp. First century Palestine and, and uh, in that area all around, of course, there's no electricity. So in order to see in your home, you had to have a lamp, oil lamp. 
And even the construction of some of the homes made out of the mud or stucco or clay or whatever had sort of an outcropping in the main part of the room of the home. And their homes were not like maybe as we understand our homes. They were kind of rock dwellings, thatched roofs. So it would have been something where in the main part of the home, they literally had part of the construction where you would sit a lamp. And the purpose of that is the very same purpose of this scripture, right? To, to see. Put the light in the main part of the building so that everybody can see. So that everyone can understand what, what's going on. You're not just bumping around everywhere. Jesus is taking this understanding of, of light in your home and going, what does this mean about me? What does this mean for you who are kingdom people? The Greek phrase here that we see, it, it literally is kind of confusing. It sounds kind of backwards. But the Greek phrase here is, comes the lamp, which I think is interesting. Comes the lamp. And what, what it's saying is, Jesus is the lamp and he has come, right? Look with me, if you will, John 12, 46. Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Or John 1, 4, he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 9 says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Comes the light. Jesus is talking about himself. He is the light of the world. Amen? And for those of us who are kingdom people, who know him, who have good soil, and we are saved, God has changed us and changing us, then now we have his light, right? John 8, 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever, uh, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, right? That's Jesus. He goes on further in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, and he gives some clarity to kind of what he's saying here. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. Kingdom people, that's you. That's us. You're a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, friends, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you know Jesus this morning, the light of the world lives in you. Right? And now you have that light. And so everywhere you go, in your home, at work, the places you walk and play and live, the light of Jesus ought to go with you. Jesus is making it clear. Let this be seen. It's not something to hide. This is not something to, to shy away from. I hope they don't know I'm a Christian. No. Knowing Jesus means we let the light shine. Put it in a prominent place. Let the world see who he is. That's what he's saying in this. As a kingdom people, wherever we go, we shine the light of Jesus. He says in verse 23, something he said last week in our text. He says it again. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, right? So he said it sort of in a matter of moments from one another. He's another serious phrase. Are you paying attention? And he actually he says that. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus says, hey, pay attention. Don't just hear words. Listen to concepts. 
open your heart, be good soil to receive God's word. But what he's saying is if your life looks more like that rocky ground we talked about last week, if your life looks more like that thorny ground that's competing for everything else and Jesus is just not the Lord of your life, if that's the reality that you have, then, then you won't know him. You won't represent him. You won't be God's light to the world. See, there's a lot of people who say a lot of things and have labels for themselves, but their lives don't prove it. Paul said this to, uh, to Titus, chapter 1, verse 16. It says, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. Right? They say one thing, but their lives show another thing. Paul says they're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work because they're not authentic. And I've said this before, and for any guests that are with us, by the way, we're so glad you're here, but let me tell you something about me. That was me. Can I tell you who I was? Fake, a con man, a liar. And I said a lot of things, but my heart didn't live it. I was wrong. I wasn't authentic. And God in his grace woke me up. <laughs> Boy, did he wake me up. And I'm so glad he did. He brought me from death to life. But here's the warning phrase that Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount that's always it's just a creepy verse. For those of us that say one thing and live another, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not just what you say, it's how you live. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? Did we do ministry, God? Weren't we involved with the church? Didn't we occasionally come? Didn't we serve some? Jesus said in verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's, that's, that's a verse that ought to make you sit up straight. That's a verse that ought to make you go, okay, let me, let me look in the mirror. Let me look at my heart. I don't want to just say one thing and live another. I want to be authentic. Jesus put it this way, right, in Revelation 3. Either be, either be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm or I'll spit you out of my mouth. To be a kingdom people is to accept his word and to be fruitful. That, that, that's who we are. And as we know him and we have the light of life in our lives, we shine it to the world. Then he goes to a second parable about growth. Verse 26, he says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed uh, sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces it by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this parable is that uh, it's only found right here in Mark. This is the unique space that this parable is in. It's not in the other Gospels. And in an interesting way, Jesus is kind of taking us back to the parable from last week, right, about the farmer. And he's speaking about this reality of uh, the beginning. So when we sow seed, that, we get to be a part of that. Romans 10 says that as believers in Christ, we need to take the gospel to the world, right? 
In other words, how will people hear the gospel of Jesus unless we go? Unless we speak it, unless we, with our lives and with our words and with our actions, we go to the world to proclaim who Jesus is. How else will they know? So God in his kindness and somehow in his wisdom allows us to be a part of ministry. Praise God. And he allows us to preach the gospel, which just means proclaim it. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. Right? A, a, a believer in Jesus preaches by how they live and the words they say. We proclaim the gospel. And at the end, he says that the farmer comes along at harvest time with a sickle and he reaps the harvest. So here we're involved on the beginning of sowing, at the end as we harvest. But what happens in the middle? What happens in the middle? Because that's God's work, right? That's what he does. The lesson is clear. I like the way that Paul uh, says this to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 6, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who is watering is anything. <laughs> I like that. We do not matter. God is the one who is bringing the growth. Only God gives the growth. So Jesus is helping us understand how people grow in Christ, right? Yes, there's teachers, yes, there's pastors, yes, there's uh, city group leaders and disciple makers, and, and we all water and we all sow seed, and, and Lord willing, we get to harvest some souls for, for Christ. But he doesn't understand how this works. The, the Greek word here is autome, and what it, what it means is like a seed that goes in the ground and you're not paying attention before you know it, you've got a tree growing out of your garden, right? In the same way, as the seed of the gospel is sown in someone's life, God begins to go to work in a way that you can't see or a way that you understand. But what he calls us to, not the growth, he calls us to the sowing and to the harvest. That's our responsibility as believers. We're responsible to spread the gospel and make disciples. But God alone causes the growth. And then he goes to his third parable, verse 30. talks about the seed of the kingdom. All these are kingdom related stories, okay? Look at this last one. Verse 30 says, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? I like this because you kind of just get the sense that Jesus is kind of thinking for a minute. With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. What's Jesus saying about the kingdom here, right? First of all, if you're a, a, a kingdom person, then the light of, of, the, uh, of the world, Jesus ought to be shining from your home, from your life, from wherever you go. But understand that he's the one that causes growth. Now, what is he saying here in this parable about the seed of the kingdom? He says, it's small. <laughs> you may not even notice it. I like the way that uh, Eugene Peterson, sometimes I read the message, but if you read this text in the message, Peterson says, he, he doesn't use a mustard seed. I've never seen a mustard seed of you. Well, I haven't. Okay. So, you know, but evidently it was, it's a plant that's, that's very pervasive in that part of the world. I mean, maybe they're here, I don't know. But what Peterson does is he, he said, 
Uh, it's like an acorn. I, I've seen an acorn, right? He says an acorn goes in the ground and it becomes this huge, mighty oak tree. Well, see, he was doing the same thing Jesus was doing. He was helping people who understood a mustard plant or a mustard seed understand what the concept is, which is you may not see much right now, but one day it's going to be overwhelming. One day it's going to be so beautiful, it's going to provide care and shade for birds. But again, this is a parable, so what is he trying to say? Friends, I, I can just identify with this in so many ways because through COVID, through, through replanning this church, through laying down our lives for, for, for what God wants to do here, I'm nothing, right? God brings the growth, but sometimes you go, Lord, are you working? Are you, are you doing something? And, and I think the encouraging thing that Jesus is saying is you may not see it right now. It may just be really small. It may just be little hints of what God is doing in your church, in your life, in your family, but you have no idea how God is growing his kingdom in you. And, and we have little hints. On City Group Sunday, I was, uh, I think I was at home, and I wasn't expecting, I didn't even know if they were meeting, and Sydney sent me a picture of their the City Group Sunday at Washita. I didn't even know we were going to have one down there. And they had seven people. And they're all hugged up, and they took a picture, and it made like my month. I was just so excited about that. I thought it was amazing. Didn't even know they were going to get together and, and be the church and worship together, and they did, and they brought in four other people. Beautiful. This is the way Paul talks about what God does in the kingdom. Ephesians 3, 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul's saying, listen, you can't comprehend what God wants to do in the kingdom of God. You can't even think it. You can't even dream it. It's beyond what you can do. He says that the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit of God, he is the one that, that advances the kingdom of God in our lives and around us where we live and work. That's, he's the one who does that. And we can't imagine how huge God's work is. And I want to bring your attention to something in that text, just for a second, as an encouragement to us. Verse 21 says, to him be glory in the church. You know, with COVID, with all the stuff, all the craziness that's happened in the last few years, a lot of people have kind of diminished the church. A lot of people have said, it's not that big of a deal. I'll watch online. I'll do what, you know, and those, that's a good resource. And we're glad that that's available. But it's not the church. The church is actual, uh, the literal word for church is, means to be an actual gathering of people. Walking life together. It's not even about a service like we're doing now. It's about life together. It's about encouraging one another. It's about helping each other follow Christ. It's about reminding each other of our hope in him alone. That is the church. And many have diminished the church. It's not that big of a deal. I don't really like that one. I'll go to this one. I'll do it. Friends, can I tell you how important the church is when it comes to the kingdom of God? I can't, I can't uh, do a, a dance up here enough to get your attention to try and explain how huge your connectivity is in the church. As a believer in Jesus, you need to be in the family called the church. 
becoming an authentic disciple and making authentic disciples. That's what God has called us to. Why? Because there is no other delivery system for the kingdom of God besides the church. There's not one. So it is a big deal. To him be glory in the church. Because Ephesians 3 says it's in the church that, that God will use us to make the manifold wisdom of God in Christ Jesus known to the world. Right? So you're saying just, just make sure I come to service? No. No, be a part of a family. Be connected with people who love you. You don't have to be perfect. Come be imperfect with the rest of us. Come realize that Jesus and his grace alone is our only hope because we're a mess. Come realize that it's his death on the cross that gives us hope and life and that alone. But it's through the church, it's through you that God wants the delivery system of his kingdom to move. I like this reference in this parable of Jesus where he says, the kingdom will grow and, and, and birds will come nesting in its shade. One commentarian said that this is a reference to an, to old, to an old Testament um, use of writing where in Ezekiel and Daniel, different places, uh, at different places, there's, it talks about trees as nations. These nations grow up as, as these big trees and they provide stability and help to other nations around them. And what Jesus is saying here in this parable is, The gospel grows up. It seems small, but it grows up so huge that people from every nation and tribe and tongue will be able to come into the gospel, right? Isn't that what Revelation says? It says one day in heaven we are going to worship around the throne and people from every nation, tribe, and tongue will worship. And the gospel, the kingdom of God will be this unbelievably massive thing we can't even imagine or think, but it will shade and care in salvation for people from all over the world. The kingdom of God is growing and coming to every nation. In fact, I always love Matthew 25 where it says, once the gospel goes to every nation, then Jesus returns. Think about that. Is missions important? (laughs) Yeah. Because if the gospel will go to every nation, then Jesus returns. So we have to go. We have to give our money. We have to work to make him known to every nation. Lastly, I want to just kind of bring up this little point at the end of our last parable here. Mark points out that Jesus continued to teach in stories and parables. In fact, it says that's all he taught in. But he taught in such a way as they were able to hear it. You see that? I think that's beautiful. Because any teacher who cares about their students, who cares about the people who are trying to learn, is not just going to rush on. But as they're able to hear it, there was a pace to Jesus' teaching. And some didn't get it, and some were pressing in. But even further, it says at the last verse of our text, verse 34, it says Jesus explained everything to his disciples. What does that say to us it says, first of all, are you a disciple of Jesus? How close are you in proximity to him are you? Remember when he said in Matthew 7, I never knew you, depart from me? Well, 
Does he know you? If he knows you, you know, he knows your name, he knows your life, you know him, that's called a relationship. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, the closer we are to him as his disciples, the more we understand. Right? He uses the church. He uses uh, the, the apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds of the church to help make us, grow us in maturity in Christ. Are you close enough in proximity so that you can learn and so that you can grow? So what do we learn in, in, about the kingdom today in these three parables? Right? Number one, if you know him, you're a child of the kingdom. You're a person of the kingdom. And you're open and ex- accepting, receptive of the word. And when that takes root in your life, God begins to go to work and you begin to produce fruit. Right? We talked about that la- last week. And then we know that As we produce fruit, then we're shining the light of Jesus to the world. And as we dig in, as we lean in to Christ, what does that look like at South City? Right? Sure, I'm glad you're here. We're so honored that you're here this morning. But really, can I tell you who our church is? It's a group of small groups that meet all over the city. They meet in smaller groups so they can actually walk life together in the true meaning of the church. The first century meaning of the church. That's who our church is. That's what's important to us. And so you're, you're asking, so what does it mean for us to lean in? Well, are you a part of one of our city groups? Do you have relationships with people outside of seeing them on a Sunday morning? Right? We have triads that are important to us where we get together with three or four people and we study the Bible every week and we pray for lost people and we hold each other accountable to mission in, in the city. So our triads, our city groups, our services, learning to be missional, learning to be a disciple maker, that's how you lean in, friends. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. We're so glad you're here. But the body of Christ has got to be more than a service. Do you have ears to hear? The body of Christ has got to be more than your attendance at a service. It's got to be involvement in a family if we want to understand Jesus' definition of family and the church. Next thing we see is that God alone causes growth. We get the privilege of sharing the gospel. We get the privilege sometimes of seeing people come to Christ. But he's the one that actually causes people to grow. And then lastly, the kingdom of God, it may seem small. It may seem like and there have been moments, I, I've got this picture I've told you during COVID, Pastor Elvis was sitting over here, I was sitting there, and we were the only two people in the building. And Daryl was leading up here for our broadcast, and, and I'm worshiping and praying, and he got a picture of me in the room with just me praying, and that's kind of a, it's, it's a difficult picture to look at, you know, because it, it's sad, the body wasn't together. And there's times, especially even in that moment, kind of going, God, what are you doing right now? It's hard sometimes to see the Lord working. There are days in my life where I weep and say, Lord, you you still here? (laughs) We're still going in the right direction? We're still doing what you want us to do, God? We're still on mission with you? And it may not be seen, but friends, be faithful. Be faithful. Do not grow weary in doing good. 
And one day we're going to reap a harvest. And we see little seeds, little sprouts growing, popping up of God's faithfulness. And I'm so thankful that the kingdom of God is growing more than we could ever hope, imagine, or think. And if we'll get close to him, he will teach us, right? You know, in my study this week, I was thinking about a couple of different historical missionaries. Uh, the first one is uh, William Carey. They call him the, the father of modern, uh, the modern missionary movement. Labored in India for seven years before he saw one convert. <laughs> I mean, you can't imagine the difficulty he went through. You can't imagine the suffering and the pain and the sickness and the frustration. And seven years, he doesn't make one, con one convert until, the, until after seven years. And yet, he's quoted, he was there for 40 years, and yet he's quoted saying, the future is bright as the promise of God. Future is as bright as the promise of God. His hope wasn't in what he could see, it was what he knew to be true of God's word. That the kingdom may look small, but it's growing. And now we call him the father of the modern missionary movement. There's another guy by the name of Adram Judson. He labored in Burma. Again, didn't see a convert for seven years. There was torture. There was, there was difficulty. There was suffering and sickness in his life. Starvation. I mean, you can't imagine the difficulty they went through. And he, he's quoted in saying, In spite of sorrow, loss, and pain, our course be onward still. We sow on Burma's, Burma's barren plain, we reap on Zion's hill. He couldn't see very far. He couldn't see that seed taking a whole lot of root, but he knew God had called him. He knew God was with him, and he would not grow weary in doing good. Can I encourage you, brothers and sisters, don't grow weary in doing good. These two men didn't see a whole lot, and yet they changed the world. They may have just sown and they may have just watered. And Paul says, me and Apollos, nothing. It's God who brings the growth, but his kingdom is moving. And as I was thinking about those men and thinking, I just love how God has allowed us to use our text that we're walking through to also begin to kind of align that with what we wanted to do today with honoring some people. And so I want to kind of shift our service and I want to talk about some people in our church who have been serving tirelessly. Uh, we have many great leaders in our church. I love the leaders in our church. And I, I, I'm so thankful for the ones that have worked so hard, um, even like some of these missionaries at times where they're going, am I doing the right thing? This is hard. I'm not sure I'm seeing any response. I'm not sure this makes sense. I, this is difficult. And yet all of them have endured. And I'm so grateful. As a church, not, not only is our service today about saying, thank you, God, for every breath and every blessing and every goodness that you've given us, but also thank you for the leaders and people who serve your church. And we have several that I want to thank today, okay? First is Amanda Noble. Will you come up, Amanda? Amanda came to us several years ago, and she's an amazing singer, by the way. I get the privilege of sitting in front of her every Sunday and her singing. We love you. Amanda came to our church several years ago, and she jumped right into our food pantry. I mean, she's serving. She became the top volunteer for Melissa. And as Melissa needed to set some things down, here's Amanda, ready to serve. And she said, if I can serve, if I can help, I'll, I'm happy to serve. Even when uh, Tim and Amanda were blessed with Olivia, <laughs> I'll never forget, they had just gotten Olivia, and here comes Amanda, 
bringing Olivia in a stroller, sitting uh, the stroller over there, baby's quiet, just be quiet, we're gonna keep putting stuff in bags. She's serving tirelessly. We're so thankful for you because what you've done, you've done as unto the Lord. And her heart is for people in need. Her heart is to love people, to care for people, and it's taken work and effort. Days where she didn't see a whole lot of the kingdom. And yet she was faithful and she endured. And we just want to say thank you. Our, our food pantry has ended for this season. And we're looking at other ways to care for the, for the city and for the community. And I'm excited to dream about what those are. But today we just want to honor you and say thank you for the way you've loved the Lord and been a part of our team at South City. Can we give, can we give Amanda a hand? We just have a little plaque that says, Amanda, for your faithful service leading the food pantry ministry of South City Church, we love you. Thank you. Next, I want to bring up, yeah, let's give her a hand. I want to bring up Heidi Sorrells, please. She told me this morning, she said, hey, skip me today, how about? That's, man, that's her heart. That is her heart. Heidi and uh, Carl came with their family several years ago. And I think it might have been the first thing you said to me. I can't remember. But as we got to know each other, it did not take long for me to realize that she was passionate about discipleship. Like, serious face, I, I want to help disciple the students of our church. Well, we had some small kids. We didn't have a whole lot of students because most of our kids were tiny kids. She said, I'll take those. As they're coming into student age, I'll take those and begin to disciple those. And my two girls were a part of that. She started a student ministry for us at South City that we did not have. And she has made the priority of that ministry discipleship. She loves our kids. Carl is an amazing servant and helper in that ministry. And they've just, they've been wonderful. They've brought in other leaders. They've been training other leaders. They've given vacations and days off and just served us tirelessly. And it's, I know it's not been easy. And even the part where you hand off to somebody else is not easy. And yet that's God's design for growth in the kingdom. And you're doing it so beautifully. We love you. We just want to say thank you for all you've done, all you've, how you've served our kids, my kids. Um, you've partnered with me as a parent to disciple them, and we are so grateful. Thank you. Let me just, let me read this. It says, Heidi, for your faithful service leading the student ministry of South City Church with a beautiful heart of discipleship, we love you. Delis Wood, would you come up here, brother? Somebody else who would say, uh, just skip me, I think, but uh, come on up here. Delis may have, he, know, he would know, I think he has the record for longest employment at this church. No, yeah, probably by far. Delis has served our church for over 30 years. Whether it be Temple Baptist Church or as we replanted at South City, this place has stayed in such great condition and, and looking good and, and running. Even though it's an old campus, he's worked hard to patch things together. And he is a wizard in some of, those, some of those ways that he can put things together. We're so thankful for you and the way you've served us. And Sherry, both of you have loved our church so well. And, you know, this is a, a crazy season for us as we feel like the Lord is leading us to a, a different model where we're 
don't have a lot of property and big campus to care for. And, and, the, and the harsh reality of that is because of that, Delis's position has to change. And he's now moved into more of a part-time position because we still need help, but he's, he's serving us on more of a part-time position. So pray for Delis and as the, the next things that he chooses and what God leads him to uh, would, be, would be amazing. But we couldn't do what we do without this man. And we just want to say that we love you, and we honor you, and we thank you for over 30 years of faithful service to this church. Come here. This just says, for over 30 years of faithful service to the family of Temple Baptist slash South City Church, we thank you for your kindness and hard work. We love you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. I asked my friend Jeff Franks to come up. Jeff and Colleen found us uh, probably close to five years ago, I would guess, maybe. They had just come off the mission field, spending over 20 years on the mission field in Ukraine. And uh, I'm so glad some of their family is here with them today. <laughs> I love this man so much. This is my brother. And uh, I'm just so thankful, Jeff, for you and the way you've served us tirelessly. Jeff came into our church and I got to know him and I got to understand his heart for mission. And for a season he was driving an Uber, but he didn't really care about driving Uber. He, he loved different people getting in his witness mobile, basically. You're right, they were captive in his witness mobile for a little while and they would be back there and he would share Jesus with them. And I'm going, man, this, this guy's amazing. We just, we said, Could, would you serve us as an elder? And for over four years, Jeff has served this family beautifully, sacrificially, and led with a heart of a shepherd, heart of a disciple maker, and uh, I'm just so grateful for what he's given to us and how God has used him in our church and in our ministry. Because of our elder governance, it says that our elders will rotate off after a four-year process, four years time of service, and Jeff served over four years, and so he's like, hey, I'm ready. We got great men. I'm ready for somebody else to serve, and he, he, he wants other people to serve. He wants other people to have an opportunity to lead, and, and so that's what we're going to do. We'll make an announcement just in a little bit about who's going to be taking his place. But Jeff, we love you, man. You are, I know, I know it is. You've proven that to me and to our family. We just want to say thank you and that we love you, and what you've given to us in your life over the last four years and more has led us and cared for us, and don't stop. It'll be, it'll be in the, maybe in the shadows more. But I know you'll continue to make disciples and pray and lead. And we're so grateful for that in this season with you. Thank you, brother. Come on, let me give you this. This just says, Jeff, for your faithful service as an elder to the family of South City Church, thank you for your humility, vision, and prayerful leadership. We love you. Bless you, brother. I mentioned in the end of my message just these two historic missionaries. And uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but as I think about those historic missionaries, I can't help but think about a historic missionary in my mind, and that's Jerry Kidd, right? If you know Jerry Kidd like I do, and you, uh, I mean, I've known him all my life, or I've known of him all my life. He was the guy uh, on pictures and, and on magazine covers underneath the wing of his plane as he flew, a, uh, he was a bush pilot and flew into un, uncivilized areas of Bolivia 
taking medicine supplies, taking the gospel to people in need. He pastored churches before that, and he's pastored churches after that. In fact, he has been so significant all around the world. I, don't, I, I can't even tell you how many countries he's been to. But people know Jerry and Sue Kidd all over the world because of his love for Jesus and desire to see the gospel go forward. In fact, the BMA has named their most significant offering the Jerry, Kids, the Jerry Kidd Missions Offering. If that tells you a little bit about how they feel about him. Brother Jerry, um, over six years ago, the Lord moved me and my family here to serve with you and, and Miss Sue. And I got to tell you, it's been one of the greatest honors of my life. It has. Jerry is not just a co-worker. Jerry is one of my best friends. He's one of my mentors. He's one of my spiritual fathers. And Miss Sue is like a mother to me, and I love them both so much. I'm so grateful for them and for the privilege to serve alongside them in mission and ministry of Jesus here at South City Church and what he's doing here. I will tell you, Jerry is, is just as excited about what God is doing at South City Church as anybody in this room, I guarantee you. And he has kind of been one, believe it or not, he's been saying, when are we doing this? When are we going? Let's go. When can we? He wanted to go faster, and I'm going, okay, hang on. You'd think it's the other way around. He wants to get the gospel to the world. And he has been such a faithful pastor and leader and elder. For over 10 years, he was pastoring at, at Temple Baptist and then South City Church and hasn't stopped. But this is a season in life where Jerry needs to focus on his own health, his beautiful bride, and the ministry that God has him in the community that he has him in. And so we want to give him that, that opportunity. However, functionally, he will always pastor here. Functionally, he will always, he and Jeff both will always be elders in that function here. They can always speak into who we are and where we're going. Brother Jerry, would you come up? I want to give you this plaque, and it's not because you need another plaque, I promise you. Uh, he's, he's got plenty of plaques. But we wanted to do something. So you can set it next to the others. It says, Pastor Jerry Kidd, for over 10 years of faithful service to the family of Temple Baptist and South City Church, thank you for your humility, your vision, and prayerful leadership. We love you. And I want to read the scripture. This is on Jeff's as well. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, uh, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us and serving us, Brother Jerry and Miss Sue. We, we, we can't thank you enough. I just want to give you this, just honor you today. And I hope that this whole day is a special day of people hugging your neck and telling you thank you for all that you've given and done. Love you.
have a seat just for a couple more minutes. I can, I can almost smell the dressing, can you? We're close, we're close. So uh, about three years ago, we, had, we, had a young, we have a young couple in our, in our church and, uh, in Hayden and Mindy Stewart, and I said, hey, why don't you guys, because you're young, you got some energy that a lot of us old folks don't, would you mind helping with our student ministry and helping Heidi? And they're like, maybe. <laughs> and they sort of slowly kind of get, they got involved, and then they too began to give vacations and time off and go with our students to places and states and different things, and they begin to make disciples of our students coming under Heidi and serving with her beautifully. And they are some of my favorite people in the whole world. I love Hayden and Mindy. Would you both come up? We never in a million years thought that, uh, Hayden especially, (laughs) uh, thought that God would maybe call him towards student ministry, but he has. He loves making disciples. He loves teaching the word and he does a great job of it. And it's, it's the paramount, most important thing in his life. And that is why we so love this couple. And we love what God is doing in them. I'm so glad to say Heidi will continue to serve with them and continue to, to help. But Hayden will be our student pastor and Mindy will give him support. And it's gonna be a beautiful, a beautiful partnership. It already is and we're just so grateful for them and for how God's gonna use them. Another announcement that I wanna make to you before we pray over Hayden and Mindy and their uh, ministry, and we commission them for student ministry at South City Church. I wanna just kind of bring your awareness to uh, elders that our elder team has begun to appoint and been vetting for probably nine months or so. Um, Lawrence Hale, will you stand, Lawrence? And Jason and Caro in the back. Jason, wave at us. So the way we do this is these two men have been in a vetting process with our elders and coming to elder meetings and building relationship and growing deeper in our understanding of what it means to be an elder. But we want to give you, as we always do, 30 days to give us any feedback on these two men, right? Any thoughts that you have or prayer requests or anything that you'd want us to know about them, this is your opportunity to speak into that, okay? But we want to just give that to you. And then in December, I think on the 18th, we have a plan to commission these two men as elders uh, of our church, taking the place of Jerry and Jeff. And they're big shoes to fill, men. But that's the beauty of God's church as he just continues to replace us for his glory. Isn't that awesome? I want to ask that any elders that we have in the building, which you'd come up, and I want to ask Jason and Lawrence to come as well. And anybody that's connected uh, to Hayden and Mindy, if you want to come and pray, Heidi, Carl, the youth, any of the youth want to come pray over them? Come on, let's make a big old group up here. Let's just lay hands on them, and we want to just commission them and, and bless them. Jeff, if you'd pray over them and uh, also bless our food. 
in this time. I know this has been a lot of stuff going on, but what a sweet service today. What a beautiful picture that for those of you that don't know us very well, this is our family, this is who we are. And I'm so grateful for you and for this beautiful picture of what God's doing in us. So we pray, we commission uh, Hayden and Mindy in this ministry. And uh, we pray for these elders stepping off and, and these elders coming on and for all that God wants to do in us. Let us see, Lord Jesus, the kingdom just grow and grow and grow and let your name become famous in this world. Pray for us, Jeff. Heavenly Father, we come with grateful hearts today. We are so thankful because we love you because you first loved us. You laid down your life for us. And you have... Uh, in our hearts, you have called us to, to serve, to, to look for all that each other can be in you. And it really is you and us that does the true work, that brings the growth, that brings the life. You are the life. We rejoice in you. We rejoice in your greatness. We rejoice in your holiness. We rejoice in your humility. Grant these wonderful people that we have come to know, uh, Hayden and Mindy, Lawrence, Jason, and their families. Grant them, Lord, to walk in your goodness, to walk in your wisdom, not our own, to walk in your grace for the sake of your family. Thank you so much for making us a family and give us the joy of fellowship as we enjoy the food. I want to thank you for everyone who has labored and has, has prepared a meal for us, every hand and every, every mind and every heart involved in bringing this meal that we can enjoy together. And we enjoy it it's so much because you are with us and you're in our presence for all of these good things may your grace abide on these that you've called to serve our church and be with us as we enjoy thanksgiving dinner here today in south city church in jesus name we pray giving you the thanks and the love and the honor amen